Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the jazz session is also available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find Amazon links to purchase the music you hear on the show, and a little bit of that money comes back to the show. And you'll find a donate button. If the jazz session has meant something to you and you'd like to give a little back, I'd appreciate it if you did by using the secure donate button on the left side of thejazzsession.com. Well, here's a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, this interview with Oren Evans was conducted by phone while Oren was on tour, and he was in Italy. And... Uh, I had a number at which to call him, and uh, I called him. It was his his cell phone, and uh, while we were on the phone, he gave me another number, and that was a Skype number, and it didn't sound very good. So I decided that I would just call him at the hotel uh, directly, you know, on the uh, the landline that was there. So I got that number, hung up, called the hotel, and uh, the gentleman at the front desk of the hotel, you know, didn't speak any English, which is certainly not his responsibility. I don't speak any Italian. So uh, I just asked for Oren Evans, you know, kind of as, as clearly as I could. And I knew Oren's room number, and I said that, but I only knew how to say it in English. And uh gentleman put me through and uh, picked up the phone, and I said, hey, it's Jason, you know, let's do the interview. And the person said, who is this? And I said, uh, this is Jason. We were just on the phone. I said, wait a minute, is this Oren Evans? And he said, no, it's Jaleel Shaw. Uh, a wonderful instrumentalist in his own right, but not the person who was the subject of this interview, although uh, hopefully he'll be on the show at a future time. So hung up from Jaleel and uh, went to uh, freetranslation.com and looked up how to say uh, room number whatever it was, please, in Italian and uh, called back and that time was successfully able to get through to uh, to Oren Evans. And I did have a backup plan, which is that my brother-in-law is Italian, uh, like actually from Italy. And uh, so he uh, lives out on the West Coast and I figured if uh, all failed with my attempt to uh, free translate my way uh, to Oren Evans, then uh, I was going to call my brother-in-law Michele and uh, have him figure things out for me. But as it turned out, freetranslation.com was uh, was up to the task, and I was lucky enough to uh, to get through to Oren, and we spent some time uh, talking about his new record, Faith in Action, which opens this way.
My guest is pianist and composer Oren Evans. His new album on Positone Records is called Faith in Action, and I've reached, <laughs> after not a little bit of work, Oren in Italy. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I really love this record, and uh, I want to just start right off um, by talking about the fact that it's kind of a family affair. There's um, there's a, a lot of the Evans crew represented on this album, and I hope you'll talk a little bit about, about that and how that came to be. Well, really, my wife um, has been composing for uh, since, basically since I met her, but that has nothing to do with her song being on there. <laughs> the, the reality is uh, she had one of her compositions on a Bobby Watson record. So the connection of Bobby Watson, he actually recorded the piece that we did. And and another the other reason that my son's composition is on the record is basically based in I mean, I model my family in a lot of ways. I know that sounds tad bit weird, but in a lot of ways after Bobby Watson, he's uh, his relationship with Pam, his wife, and his relationship with his kids is something that I've always admired. Um, and although neither of his kids are musically inclined, they're they're both extremely talented individuals, and he utilizes their talents. Actually, his daughter is my my webmaster and does his website. His son is an amazing chef. So he's always, you know, showcase what his family is doing and, and that's a big portion of why I um, put the Evans clan for lack of better words on the record and your your son is about 11 or 12 is that right 12 as of February 24th and wow. my oldest is 17 so I'm getting old he turned 17 on Friday oh man and somehow you're you're still just 21 that's incredible so that's uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly how does that work um so the uh, the tune on here, uh, Matthew's song. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about its its origin? Is that was it a melody he picked out on the piano or some other instrument, or is he accomplished on that instrument, or how, how did it happen? Well, he was studying piano, and, and he hasn't been this year because he started this really compli- you know complicated school. So he's been dealing with that, which is great. But um, he still always messed around on the piano. And I would come home at times and he had, what are the, you know, the little tape recorders with the little cassettes, one of those mini cassettes. He always would, like record these little things and say, hey, Dad, check them out, check this out, check this out. And I would listen to him, oh, that's nice, that's nice. So one day I came home and he had it sitting on my pillow when I walked in. So my wife was like, you better listen to it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I listened to it and, and, and that song, we never came up with a better title, but because it's simply Matthew's song. And I just sat there and listened to him like, wow, this is actually a nice song. So let me write it down. And it was funny. I played that with a, a few different bands. And, you know, they're all like, wow, you know, he's he's writing better. He's writing more swinging compositions than you are. Because <laughs> it's not a complicated <laughs> melody. It's a very simple melody. But uh, it's, all, it's, just, it's just a vibe. It's a very, you know, cute little vibe. And it, and it fits. So I said, let me put this on this record. And hopefully, you know, we'll get a couple publishing checks in his name.
that must feel pretty good as a father. I'm a father of two sons also, and uh, I can just imagine what that must feel like for you to to have your son's you know creativity represented on your own record. Exactly, it, it is. It is. It, it's. I mean, you know. I mean, I, I put up on Facebook the other day. You know, it's funny. Everybody puts up all whatever that you know. I, I just had a spaghetti dinner or whatever. But um, <laughs> one of the things that I like putting up is that if Jason Crane doesn't call me or whoever else, or if my record doesn't win a Grammy or if any of those other things, it really, it does matter. But then it really doesn't matter in the overall uh, big picture because what really does matter is being a father. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's one of the best rewards seeing and hopefully being a father is your first second third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth whatever however many kids you have it's, it's your fifth first or whatever number chance another chance it's like okay i didn't get it totally right you know but hopefully they'll get it i got it i got it 60 percent right this next one will hopefully get it 70 percent right this next one will get it 80 percent right you know nobody will get it 100 percent right but that would be boring <laughs> The um, the other half of this record, Faith in Action, that's not um, taken up with your own compositions or those by members of your family are uh, compositions by Bobby Watson. And um, I know that given this, this show is only 25 minutes, uh, talking about your history with Bobby Watson would take all of that time. But, uh, so can you talk about, um, out of all of the tunes that you've played with Bobby and all of the tunes that he's written, which is a pretty huge library, can you talk about how you chose the particular tunes of his that you did for this record? It really wasn't that um, deep of a process. What it really came down to was that recently um, he had a book published of his compositions. So, um, like 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 the J. Mary Missal books, you know, and it had a little CD play along, and you could play along and learn his compositions so i bought actually i didn't buy it he gave it to me he gave it to me on the road he was really excited about it. he says look man i got a book of my compositions so in going through and picking the songs i said well which which ones would be easiest because they're already here i didn't have to call him to get copies of the music and so i went through and there were really some good ones that i liked and then um i also got some i picked tunes that i thought would be um interesting to rearrange and, and open up a little bit you know so it wasn't that deep of a comp it wasn't that deep of a process more about what was available <laughs> these were the ones that i had available and without a doubt the one that was going to be done was will within a will and the other ones were like just ones that were already published through this new book that he just put out of bobby watson's compositions and what is it about uh, wheel within a wheel that that made it a must play Oh man, what is what is it? It's just one of those tunes that when you hear it, you're like, "Woo!" <laughs> I, I can't tell you why. It may be the, the I've always been. I love you know minor kind of sounding tunes, uh, but I also used. To, I grew up listening to the Art Blakey Big Band, this, which didn't document that much. But there was this one recording of the Art Blakey Big Band, um, and that had Will within a Will on it. Kevin Eubanks, Robin Eubanks, Brandon from Marcellus, just went and it was everybody on this. Bobby, and I've always wanted 
to really document that tune with my band. I played it with Bobby for years, and I was like, well, you know what? Well, because when you're playing it with Bobby, you have to play it the way that Bobby wants you to play it, which is not a problem, but you might be playing it and saying, wow, I would love to see what would happen to the tune if I did this. You know, and that was one of those tunes that I always wanted to see what would happen if I did it a little different. And um, this was my opportunity to do that. You've got some uh, pretty incredible bandmates on this record, too. Will you tell folks uh, who's on the record with you? Starting with Lucas Curtis. Lucas Curtis is on bass. Lucas is an amazing new young bassist on the scene. He has a, actually an equally amazing brother uh, by the name of Sakai Curtis. Sakai Curtis, a great pianist. And Lucas and I met through Sean Jones, playing in Sean Jones' band. And... Um, on the drums, long time friend. We've been we go back years uh, to the days I was recording with Criss Cross, and actually he gave me some of my first gigs in New York. We met through Antonio Hart. His name is Nasheed Waits, great drummer. Uh, when I started playing with Antonio, he was on the gig, and we've done tons of things since then, including co-leading a band that we have now called Tar Baby. Also guest starring is Gene Jackson, a fellow Philadelphian, um, amazing drummer, and I actually met him playing with Dominguez Big Band and and others, and then Rocky Bryant, great drummer, very underrated. He's more known on on, on other scenes. He's actually been the drummer for the Average White Band for the last I'm not sure how long, maybe like 10 or 15 years, but he's an amazing jazz and a pop and rock and R&B drummer at the same time. He used to play with Branford Marcellus' Buckshot LaFunk. Uh, he just really shines. Uh, he's actually the drummer on uh, Wheel Within a Wheel that you were just talking about. Man, he really mm-hmm. he plays the heck out of that. Too. Well, the ironic thing is he didn't hear that tune or had never heard it until we said roll him. No kidding. <laughs> I love to do, you know, even though it might not have made the producer, you know, it might not have relaxed the producer that much, but... <laughs> 
That's how I liked it, though, because I knew he was capable of doing it, and he did it. He did a great job on it. Be completely uh, at ease to not remember this, but I've actually I've interviewed you one time before, back before the jazz session existed. It was in I think 2002 when Meant to Shine came out. Um, yep. Which I a record that I I still listen to frequently. I just love love that record, and uh, and I've listened to all the stuff you released in Europe and in the States since then. And I'm wondering if you, um, as you, from the point that you're at now, do you, can you see some kind of like developing themes in your work as a, as a composer or a player, some areas that you've really spent some time focusing on and exploring? They're not musical. Um, the areas that I explore or the areas that I feel that I'm growing in, um, they're more personal. And which which transfers into the music, but um, everything about me is about family, connections, and investing in relationships with people. So over the years, what I have said is I've developed more and more um, an appreciation for the importance of friends and family, uh, which transfers to the music. I mean, I try hard not to play with people that I don't love. You know, and not you know, I will put it out there. Gene Jackson, Rocky Bryant, it wasn't a payday for them. It wasn't a payday for Nasheed Waits. It wasn't a payday for Lucas Curtis. You know, Positone is a independent record label uh that I really appreciate, but they're not uh rolling in the dough. <laughs> so and, and I've never, I haven't been on a label yet that is rolling in the dough. From Palmetto to Criss Cross to my own Imani Records. And you know what? I actually, granted, if I was on a label rolling in the dough, I still would call the family. And and that's what I've, that's what's been most important about my 15-year recording career and however long performance career uh, is that I keep family at the forefront of this. So, I mean, I'm not sure if that's the answer you were looking for, but it's that, a good answer. That's the honest, that's the honest truth. Yeah, well, it's a good answer. And what uh, what effect does that have on the bandstand in the recording studio that that you make that decision? <laughs> you. you Okay, when you hire Joe, fictitious Joe, um, you're more inclined, this is just my personal thing, no one has to agree with it, you're more inclined to go after like what you want. Like I, you hire Joe on the drums, you're like, I want, I want my song to sound like this, I want my song to sound like this, I want you to play this when I get to this part, and I'm, I need it to sound like this, and da 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 But when you hire your brother, or when you hire your sister, you're more apt to just, let me see what my brother and my sister brings to the music. Let me see what they bring to the environment. Because you don't want to offend them, so you're not, I mean, this is me. I'm speaking, somebody else might think totally different, you know. And so I'm not going to say, hey, Nasheed, I want you to play this right here. Because I already know Nasheed. I know Nasheed is my brother, so I already know what he's going to bring. And he's going to bring something to what I put on paper that I wasn't expecting. So you have to be you have to be willing to accept that. I know a lot of leaders that aren't willing to accept that. 
lot of leaders, and that's cool, you know, but there's not one school that's correct, you know, but we're on the phone together, so I'm going to talk more about what I believe, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what makes it easier for me to a certain extent in the studio with my family, and that's what makes the music better. Okay, take that back. Not better. <laughs> that's what makes it acceptable to me, you know, you know, I mean, this is very, I'm not, and in no way comparing myself to Miles Davis, but, you know, the band would have, I, I believe that if it wasn't Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Tony Williams, and Wayne Shorter, that band would have sounded totally different. And Miles would have played with the way that that band sounded, because he would have went where the where the band is leading the music. So for me, when I play with my family, I'm going where the family leads me, versus if I just hire some cats. Sometimes, you know, I, I might be more inclined to really get what I, quote-unquote, what I want. <laughs> Is that approach uh, to band leading? I mean, it, of course, it sounds very personal from you, too, but is that something that was a part of your experience with Bobby Watson? Without a doubt, you know. And and it was also, it was, a, it was an approach that I, I think Bobby got into it a slow... I think I think what I will think is Bobby and I helped each other out because Bobby was also coming a lot from his experience with Art Blakey, which was like, "Hey, come come on, do the gig, young man." Like I want, you know, which was great. But then I come in here's Oren Evans. I have a distinctive voice, and and Bobby was so willing to accept the voice that I came with, you know, as long as I, I mean, play within the parameters of the music. But he was. He was willing to accept the voice that I came with, and but I'm but a lot of who I am is just me. <laughs> it is it is a product of some of the things I've learned from people like Bobby Watson and and um, Shirley Scott and Trudy Pitts. But um, the other part is, I mean, just from what I've been through in life, this is not traumatic, but just what I've been through in life and other things. I'm I'm not scared, so I'm okay to say, all right, well, let me see what happens. You know, if if uh, there's tons of reviewers out in the audience and they don't like it, so what? I still got to pay my bills. I still got to do what I got to do. But what I really got to do is wake up and look at me in the morning. And, and I'm one about, like, just play your instrument, you know. And if, if you're playing at least if, – if, if I can't play with you, it's maybe I need to look at myself – you know, and as a leader, I think some people are like, I can't play with him because he's not playing the right thing. No, maybe you might need to look at yourself. You can't play with him or her because you're just, you, you're not, I'm, I'm remembering that I'm on the radio because I was about to say something else. You're actually not, <laughs> on, you're not on the radio. The FCC isn't, isn't monitoring this. This is, all, this is okay. all online. So you can use whatever language you like, and believe me, a lot of good languages happen on the show. So you're, <laughs> you're, you are weapons-free, sir, to say, say whatever comes into your head. <laughs> you know, but I mean, definitely, I would just, you know, you got to do your, you got to do your thing. And if you can't handle what someone else is bringing to the bandstand, look within yourself first. And we always look at, oh, man, I can't play with him because he sucks. Maybe you suck. So I don't know if I really – yeah, I did answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. And it doesn't really matter. My questions are just something to make people start talking. I don't care if you actually answer, answer them or not. You're not, on, you're not on trial or anything. I mean, that's, that's to totally fine. You can say what you like.
There's a couple of uh, of solo piano uh, pieces um, on the new record too, which are really outstanding. And I want to just ask you about about solo piano and and what particular joys you find in in it. None. <laughs> <laughs> they terrify me. I mean, solo piano terrifies me. Um, now, doing a solo intro doesn't terrify me, but when I really, I mean. You know, I have to shape this whole piece and play the whole piece. It terrifies me. But there's, I, I do enjoy doing it, you know, without a doubt. But I, I'm, I'm still terrified. You know, I'm like, oh, man, especially when you listen to people like, well, you know what? You listen to people like Herbie or you listen to McCoy, who are two totally different solo pianists. But then you go to people like Keith Jarrett, who has his... So, I mean, it's more so about me not being scared and able to accept that, hey, I play solo piano the way I do. Um, and, and actually, in the years that I've been in this, I've probably only done two solo piano concerts. Um, and they scared the hell out of me, you know. But I would love to do more of them over the years. And um, and, and really, I, want, I did the tune that I did do solo piano on their Beatitudes. Um... I did that because I've always thought of it. You know, there's there's a melody in there that sometimes gets lost in the fact that you want to groove to it and you want to dance to it. But it's just a it's a it's it, to me. Bobby was Bobby composed jazz gospel or gospel jazz. So there's really a message in that tune. Um, that I want, and, and not only that tune. There's a message in all of his tunes. And but that message I was hoping to get across. And I figured if it's just me and piano. You know, I could get that message apart. I mean, I'm sorry, across. As I mentioned at the beginning, I reached you uh, in Italy. What are you up to there? I'm out here playing with the uh, Dominguez Dynasty, which is a smaller group of the Dominguez Big Band. So we're doing a, we did seven days in Greece and a couple more days in in Italy. We'll be back uh, later next week. And how, is this four years now that you've been with that band, or is it? Is it longer? If you can hear it from the voice, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been eleven years I've been with the Mingus. Oh, seriously, eleven? Wow! Yeah, my first gig, my first gig with the Mingus group was in nineteen ninety nine, uh, November. 
the day after Thanksgiving. I had no idea it had been that long. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. It is. It is. Just, just, yeah. Now, we might be winding it down now. It might be. <laughs> it might be. I mean, for no no particular reason, but you know, some it's time to open some new doors, and uh, I, I appreciate Sue, and I appreciate time here, but um, you know, I definitely don't want. I def, I mean, I I mean, although I do appreciate it, and I have no problem saying this. I don't want to be known as the piano player from the Mingus Dynasty or Mingus Big Band for the rest of my life. Yeah, so. well, you, obviously that label had escaped me because I had no idea it had been three and times I, as long so as I suggested. It's only been four years. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't associate you with that as the first thing that comes to my mind, and obviously I I guess I could do a little a little better fact checking. Um, no, no, no. Actually, you're right on board. If you, if you don't do any more fact checking. <laughs> Well, uh, let me just ask you one more uh, question about that, though, which is, um, does, has playing that book so much, uh, do you think it's affected your own compositions? Not my compositions, but my band leading. I mean, the last project I just recorded was a big band. I have a big band that I started in maybe about six months ago. The way that I lead the big band is very similar to the way in which big band is led here. Even my small group. A lot of things I do are based on things that I've learned here in this band. So not so much compositionally, but definitely in the way that Mingus did, which who I never got the pleasure of meeting, but now which that spirit um, leads us to lead this band. Can you, can you give a, an example of that or a, a more description I of the style? I just need a more, open, a more open approach, which is how I am in general, but a more and, a, and also a workshop environment, you know. I don't because I don't believe gigs pay enough. I always I'm not a big fan of like calling my musicians saying we need to rehearse for four or five hours because I feel bad. I'm like, okay, I'm going to rehearse you for four or five hours, and then are you getting paid for the rehearsal time? No, you're not. You're getting paid for the gig. So that environment of the workshop. I mean, I've been in the Mingus band, like I said, since 99, and I think I've only had about three rehearsals, 1999. <laughs> so that kind of vibe I, I do try to bring over into my band. But that means you have to hire people who are on a certain level of musicianship. and Not only musicianship, but musicianship and spirituality. Because a, a lot of what happens on the Mingus Big Band is just like communication and, you know, getting the point across without having to say too much of, of, of a, this is what happens when you get to this point. But do you feel what should happen when you get to this point? A couple of folks I've talked to uh, very recently about large ensemble writing and large ensemble directing, I think most recently last night, uh, talking to John Ellis, um, have said that, you know, there comes there kind of comes a point where there's enough people on stage that you have to have you have to have some kind of like clear direction and leadership if you're going to produce, you know, something other than just a ton of of free playing. And so I'm just wondering about kind of that balance between the openness of the Mingus style of band leading with the fact that there's a a pretty large number of people to actually make play music all together at one time. How do you kind of walk that that line? As I said, it depends on the client. It depends on who you're hiring. You can't. You everyone. Everyone can't be a part of the Mingus band, point blank. 
and everybody can't play with John Ellis' double wide. <laughs> uh, you have to know the personnel that you're bringing into the ensemble. And then the personnel that you bring in can dictate how open you can be with the, with the environment. You know, some people really need a lot of directions. They can be great musicians, but they need a lot of directions in order, direction in order to get their nut off. Whereas some people can be very open and structured. So selecting your personnel is, is, is a whole nother thing that's important. It's like, okay, well, I got the gig. Cool. I did that part. All right. I got somebody promoted. Cool. I did that part. All right. Now I have to, you know, uh, book the right cats to play with me in order to get my concept across, whether that's an open concept, whether that's a, you know, a very rehearsed environment, that kind of concept, or whether it's a combination of both, you know. And, and trust me, everybody, the baddest cats that we know um, aren't always open. I'm sorry, aren't always comfortable in all of those environments. Yeah, that'll, so you have to that makes sense. Open. I mean, who's who's comfortable in in which environment? Sure, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, knowing that this show will be out in about three weeks, uh, what are some things that are coming up for you right after that time? Well, got a few things. We're doing. Uh, we just, as I said, we just did a live recording of the. It's called the Captain Black Big Band, um, which is the big band that I started. So, and we have one more recording. Uh, I was supposed to be in New York on April 2nd and 3rd, but our engineer just sent me an email. So we're still going to perform. We're performing at the Jazz Gallery April 2nd and 3rd. I'm doing the Vanguard with Steve Wilson uh, at the end of the end of March. And I'm also just doing a bunch of gigs, touring and supporting the release of Faith in Action. And the New York release party will be at uh, my annual. Actually, I can say that now because it's probably about four or five my annual zinc bar gig, March 30th and 31st. I do that, when I say annual, I do it every year for my birthday. Um, and they've been really good to me. As I'm, I'm probably, this is probably the fourth or fifth year I've celebrated I think my it's been 11 there. years, hasn't it? <laughs> 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 oh, there you go. Well, that's that's great. And uh, there'll be uh, links to your uh, site at uh, thejazzsession.com, and I encourage folks to go and, and find those gigs and go out and support live music. Um, well, despite the fact that uh, there was a, an enormous piece of your biography that I completely screwed up, I am, in fact, an, a big fan of your music and your playing. No, and, man. Uh, no big problem. <laughs> and I'm really happy that uh, you took the time to come on the show and uh, and talk about this new record. My guest is Oren Evans. The new album is on Positone. It's called Faith in Action, and it's uh, definitely worth your attention. Thanks so much, Oren. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Look so forward to talk to you again, Jason.
That's music from pianist Oren Evans and his new album, Faith in Action. I'm Jason Crane. This is the Jazz Session, presented by All About Jazz, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of this show is also available for free anytime you want it at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. If you surf on over to thejazzsession.com, you'll find a mailing list and a Facebook group and a Twitter feed, all ways to stay connected. And you'll also find both Amazon.com links and a donate button. Uh, the Amazon links will help you buy the music you hear on the show, and they'll kick a little money back to the, uh, the show itself. And the donate button will just directly give money to the show, and either of those... Uh, Methods is much appreciated. Thank you so much to the Respect Sextet. They recorded the theme music for this program, and uh, they're playing all over the East Coast these days. Find them online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend, and then go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. <laughs>